And a good afternoon and welcome to part four of the Dior Coons series we are doing here on the Klein Files podcast. We will welcome everybody from, I understand, Caroline, from around the world. We have questions today. Uh, what we're doing is uh, we're doing this podcast as, a, as an opportunity for you behind the scenes to hear what happened in the Dior Coons case. Um, we rarely do this, but we feel it's a necessity for you, the citizens of Idaho and around the United States that have supported this, uh, this case. And, uh, uh, for those of you that are new to the Klein files, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to inspire, uh, another level of investigators from around the world. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young kids graduating from college, uh, uh, maybe some of you that are have a career and you're not happy in your career, an opportunity for you to hear what goes on behind the scenes of a of a real investigation team uh, that we have here. Uh, we have a team that uh, that probably is world renowned. I think would think at this point when you think. I mean, I would think so. So, Dior Coons is a. We discussed this last week. We discussed the legal side of the case and we t- discussed what uh, Alan Browning and. Um, um, and some of the yak heads were doing out there to try to, I believe, sabotage the case. And I believe that some of you kind of fell for it out there uh, that, you know, remember, if it's on Facebook, it's the truth, right? Uh, and some of you guys fell for some of the uh, stuff that went on. But uh, our bottom line today is uh, we wanted to take our Caroline came up with this uh was the, idea. the idea. <laughs> I want to say suggestion, Q&A. but you say idea. But uh, what <laughs> I wanted to do was uh, I wanted you folks to um, be able to talk to us and, and we're not capable live yet. I think sometime, you know, maybe down the year, if, uh, if this all works out, you know, we may uh, open live lines. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but anyway, the, the bottom line is, is what we wanted to do is have you guys to have a portal to talk to me. And I'm going to answer questions today that have been sent over the last uh, two weeks, right? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for the amount of questions that were sent. I mean, there are so many, there are pages and pages and um, a lot of them probably are going to be, you know, some of them will be the same. Some of them are very creative. Um, So we're just going to kind of creative. Great. (laughs) We're going to dive in and, um, and I'm going to handle this like you're sitting here in front of me. I'm going to use probably use. So hold on a minute. Get the children out of the room because there's going to be some things that you probably don't want your children to hear. So, you know, if you're driving down the road and some of the people that that know me that listen to this podcast, they're going to probably smile. They know what's coming. Uh, you know, I'm going to be very up upfront and frank with all of you. I'm going to tell you what I think, uh, how it I think it should be uh, stated to the public and we're going to give you the behind the scenes. So, uh, now you folks that are just joining us for the first time ever, the, the case is the Dior Coons Jr. case. And you probably should go back and listen to parts one, two, and three. Absolutely. Before you listen to this, this, I'd turn this off right now and I'd go back to one, two, and three. But for those of you just to come up to speed, Dior Coons was a child that was taken by his parents, up to uh, Lead Door. I always get that from Jane. She always tells me that. Lead Door. Lead Door, uh, uh, Idaho. 
uh, on a camping trip. There were four people that were there. Um, that was the mother, uh, Vernal Coons, the mother, Jessica Mitchell, uh, the grandfather. What was the grandpa's name? Uh, I'm having a mental blank. Bob. Bob. Grandpa Bob. Grandpa Bob. Uh, and uh, Isaac Renoir. Uh, and, uh, they were all up at a campsite and according to the parents, the child disappeared, just gone. There were three theories that were brought forth by law enforcement in the beginning, as well as our firm. Uh, one was that an animal got the kid and took, took off with him. Uh, that was dispelled pretty much immediately by law enforcement and by our team and by the (laughs) other private investigator that was hired before us that. The mother and father lied to, uh, and he called them out, and you know that's when we became involved in the case. Um, so, folks, if if it had been a if it had been an animal and he'd gotten that child, there would have been blood, there would have been shoes, there would have been clothing. It would have been a horrific scene, because if you think that an animal just comes up and grabs a kid and runs away, that's not the way it works. And no, an eagle did not pick him up in the campground. No, no. Is that a question? No, that was a theory. Oh, that was a theory. An eagle. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that. I think I had a good laugh about that one. Uh, and no, an eagle did not come down and pick. Despite oh, the YouTube video, you might see it. Where it I, I'm so nervous about these questions. I just. Okay, well, let's jump hey, in. Hold on. Hold on. The third theory. Hold on. Uh, the second theory. The first one was a uh, animal came and got him. Second one was that somebody came by. And picked him up and trafficked him and stole him, kidnapped him and drove all the way a mile and a half down a mountain and into this. I mean, it's just. And then the third one, we dispelled that very much immediately with all the secret guys sitting at the convenience store staring at the baby Dior that his parents came up with the concoction that along with the. Wait, we found that guy. Yeah, we did. And we we talked, talked to him. him. Yeah. And he was like, what's wrong with these people? And we we're like, I don't know what to tell you. And then, uh, and then of course, you know, the, the, what's the famous Budweiser beer guard? Was it a Budweiser? It was a beer company that had a beer truck out there that, you know, uh, Vernal said that he put his son up in the front seat of the damn truck and, and, uh, we'd found the beer guy and he says, what's wrong with y'all? Where'd you come up with this? And that never happened. I never saw a kid. And then, of course, the 18-wheeler, the famous 18-wheeler, where, where again, you know, uh, Vernal says he took the child over to the 18-wheeler and put him up in the 18-wheeler. And, oh, Daddy, I like the truck. And there was no such company had been defunct six years prior. So that's kind of what we're dealing with, folks. So I'm going to be interested in hearing the questions. So let's get it on. Caroline, lay it into me. Okay, question one comes from an Instagram follower, um, and this person states, I knew Bob, and he drove an old truck that was in the shop for repairs when it, when they went camping. Well, shortly after the camping trip, he told either me or my friend, I can't remember which one, who worked at the store where he went frequently. Anyways, he said that his truck burned to the ground up in the bone area. Was that ever investigated to your knowledge? This has bothered me since the time it happened. So um, there's confusion there. Um, There was no truck. It was a Suburban that Bob had. Bob had a Suburban um, that toted the, I guess, what do you want to call it? Like a little trailer? Um, Yeah, but 
but he also had a truck that was in the shop. So he had two cars. Obviously. That's what she's referring to. Okay. But let me get to that. Okay. So uh, the, the truck was, was uh, still around when we were involved, when Trace came in. Trace ran the dog on the Suburban. We don't know about the truck that was prior to our time uh, and involvement uh, with the animals we brought in to sniff things out. We, the, the quick answer to that question is we were not involved with that truck. I am not privy to, nor do I remember a truck burning, uh, in this case. Um, so I don't know where the truck thing's coming from and how it would lay into this case, but it was way prior to the child missing. So I don't think it really comes into play, but it's a great question. Thank you. Was Dior ever at the camp? Do you believe he was ever at the actual campsite? You know, that's a great question. So let's go back over the timeline. We trace back the timeline video. The law enforcement did. The FBI did. We all did. The last time the child was seen, and Caroline, tell me if I'm right about this. It was on a Thursday afternoon, or was it a Wednesday afternoon? It was a Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, after Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Thursday. The Wednesday afternoon, around the area to 5 to 6 o'clock in the evening, since that time, the child has never been seen. Now, let's go back over that question. The child was not seen anywhere between Idaho Falls and the time the 911 call came in. Now, everybody, oh, no, 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 that's not true. No, that's true. So going through, the first thing the parents told us was, well, we went to Walmart, we bought a bunch of stuff, right? Child was in, came, got out of the car, went to the convenience store, went to the Walmart, all these other things that they say that they did. We went through and we were not able to corroborate those stories. We were able to corroborate that they were there through witness interviews, but none of the video and none of what they said they did really happened. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying, Caroline? Yeah. None of that, none of what they said they did ever happened, but we do have cooperation from an employee that says, yeah, I remember the dad and I remember the mom. You get up to where they said they stopped and got a piece of pizza out on this uh, very obscure road. They did uh, as well stop and get some pizza. They said that part of that pizza they turned around and fed to the child. Nobody at that convenience store saw that child equally. They said on the day of the or, or actually that night when they arrived in the campground area, uh, down at the bottom of the hill, there was a, a bar restaurant. We had a hamburger there. It was really good. They yeah, really we stopped there and talked to both yeah, the we, owners. The owners, and they said there was no child there. And the story they gave about coming in and knocking on the door and saying that they they were closed and they 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 never did. Now, and one interesting thing that we did get from the female owner of the of the place was that Dior says, or excuse me, Vernal says that he parked in front of the bar restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. That's Remember that? He said that he parked in front. In fact, he was adamant about it. He drew it on a piece of paper for us. 
She says that's not true. That they watched from the window. They watched her. They watched Dior from the window, and they parked on the opposite side of the parking lot, which is quite frankly not a huge parking lot, but on the opposite side in the corner, away from everybody and everything. We found that very interesting. Why would you lie about where you parked in a parking lot at a, at a place? Bob did go to the bathroom. We did get that confirmed. You know, so that part of the story is true. And they took off and they went up the hill. Now, on the next day, when all this was going on, the big question we had was, why did Vernal feel like he needed gas? Now, he told us the reason he needed gas was he couldn't tell what it said on the on the gauge on his truck. He just bought that truck. There was problems with it. Um, he had to have diesel. He didn't know how much diesel he had, so he had to go buy diesel, blah, 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 blah. And when they came down, they came down and little Dior was in a car seat in the back seat when they came down. And I guess that's uh, on the day of the reported uh, disappearance. disappearance. They came down uh, the hill to go get um, uh, some food. Uh, Jessica had started her period and she needed tampons and feminine products. Uh, so they came down the hill. Um, they tell us they made one purchase. We found out as law enforcement did, cause they were standing right there with us that there was not only one purchase, there was two purchases. Uh, within 17 minutes of each other, I think and, it was. And don't yeah. quote me on the 17 minutes, but I think it was 17 to 20 minutes. And the purchases that were made were not in the order that were in their witness statements or in their interviews. Right. So remember when they, they, they had the parents sit down and write a witness statement out, we did the same thing and had them write a witness statement out, which I don't know if there's a question of this, Caroline, but we'll state it here very quickly. Uh, we had statement analysis. People look at their witness statements. Uh, they said they uh, were not truthful in, in what they said based upon their writing. Uh, I think this was backed up by the federal government, too. Uh, they, they looked at it as well, if my recollection is correct. Uh, MJ Holmes handled that part of the case and uh, had it looked at uh, by a former Georgia Bureau of Investigation specialist uh, out in Georgia. Uh, and so um, that was kind of a shocker for us all that, you know, even they were lying from, from the get go, according to their s statement analysis. Um, and so, um, when they were getting their fuel, they said that they told us that the, the fuel attendant, where well, they drove around, they said they drove around what they got lost in Lador. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you get lost in Lador, uh, lead door. My, my apologies to the great people up there in Idaho. Um, and they were driving around for what, 35, 45 minutes, whatever the case is. And they ended up getting what they call red diesel from a place. And we interviewed, uh, the gas station guy that gave them that he remembers them. Mm -hmm. Family business owned. And we interviewed mm -hmm. all of the family, all members. the family we interviewed every then, single one of them. And then we interviewed the guy that actually pumped the gas, pumped the gas. They brought red him diesel. in. We sat him down in a room. And we talked to him. And so my question to him, I remember it was like yesterday. If you had to go sit in front of a grand jury and look 13 people in the face, 
could you tell that grand jury that you saw that child in a car seat in the back of the truck? His answer was an emphatic no. I cannot. I didn't see a child. I remember a car seat, but I did not see a child. And in now, fact, one of them said there was a blanket. Uh-huh. And so we we then, uh, you know, started to get a little bit nervous with now we had everywhere they said the child had been seen so far. We couldn't prove that up. We then went over to the stage stop and we actually talked to the gas station attendant that was on duty. Uh, the, I, I, I say that wrong. I'm an old guy. Uh, the convenience store clerk, clerk man, slash manager that was on duty that day. She was very emphatic. I do not remember seeing a child. Now, remember in their statements, what they've said to the public, what they've said to us, what they've said to the FBI, what they've said to uh, the sheriff, Bowerman, and uh, the new sheriff. What they've said to everyone is the baby was running around in the store up and down the aisle, and everybody, and there was a long line of people waiting to check out. Right. There was what, what would they describe it? Eight to 10 people waiting in line to check out. Yes. Well, guys like us, I mean, you're just giving us evidence at that point. So we say, well, cool. Okay. We can, that, that would be so easy to prove up. What did you buy? Oh, we bought some sweetest fish. We bought this. We bought that. Okay, cool. So we go to the lady, we say, okay, first of all, did they purchase these items? And her answer was, well, they purchased some of that. And so what I did was I kept it on computer and here's the receipt. And we look at the receipt and of course it's nothing. There's no tampons. There's no feminine products. There's no nothing on it. And we just start shaking our heads. Well, do you remember a child? And her answer was, no, I don't remember a child. Well, well, there's 10 or 15 people in line. So let's look at your checkout. Like, let's look at your receipts. So, you know, if you're checking somebody out at a convenience store, you would think it's like two minutes of checkout, right? Because you might have to, you know, might have to put a debit card in. You might have to sweep. So we check that out. Um, there was no 10 people in line. So then we start going, okay, what are we dealing with here? And I remember... I'm like in, like it was yesterday, MJ Holmes asked a question. Well, did she go to the bathroom? Did she do, you know, what did the mother do? She goes, oh, you mean after the second receipt? And we all just sat there and looked at each other, even law enforcement. What? The second receipt. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. You checked out, you checked them out two times? Yeah. The first time they bought some candy and that was Bob's candy. Right. Um, they bought a, a, what was it? A monster drink or JoJo's. JoJo's and a monster drink. And we're like, well, okay, well, what about the, the tampons, feminine product? The Swedish that was almost 17 to 20 minutes later again after the first purchase. Right. Right. And in between the first purchase and the second purchase, there was only one person that checked out. 
So there you go. What are we dealing with here, gang? And then you got Vernal going through this big old song and dance while they were outside dealing with a Budweiser truck. Why do I keep saying Budweiser? I don't there was a Budweiser truck. But was it, it a Budweiser truck? But that's what they we were told, and it ended up being a truck that was no longer in business. That's right. No, no, no. There was two trucks. The Budweiser truck that was supposedly unloading the beer, and the, and they had saved us the the transferal sheet from the truck to the store of what the product they brought in. And the times don't even come close to matching what Dior had told us. I mean, what Vernal had told us. And then the other big truck that, Oh, daddy, daddy there. Look at the big truck. And he took him over to the big truck and they met the trucker and you know, everything else. That company is no longer in business and hadn't been for four or five, six years. At this point, the whole story's falling apart. So if that answers the question of what went on at the stage stop, I, you know, I'm sure there'll be others and I'll answer them as they come more factually. But what we're trying to say is from the get go out of Idaho Falls, the child was never seen. And you would think if there's 10 people in line, they would see a child. Nobody saw the child. Nobody. Nobody saw the child, the stranger danger, the guy sitting in the corner, you know, at the stage stop. We found him. We talked to him. He's like, I didn't see a kid. What are you talking about? I didn't see a kid. What are you talking about? And he's a regular. There. And he's he a regular. He often. lives up there about what? Five miles down the road. He's a rancher. Mm -hmm. Five miles down the road. He said, yeah, I was there. I didn't see any kid. What are you talking about? They said, well, this is, well, I figured this is what. You know, after reading everything in the paper, I figured that now you got to say, okay, he, he still might be a suspect. He's not. He, 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 the, the law enforcement up there, the FBI, and now our team was able to come in. And Frank Viltz, I think, did a good job, you know, interviewing people, getting the, getting the name. Frank Viltz was the first investigator that came in, but then he started seeing that story fall apart and then of course they clammed up and then that was that so, uh, so is that good with that do you believe mm -hmm. dior was ever alive on the trip no i don't i don't i do i believe his body is up there somewhere yeah after what she told you on the phone i believe yeah so then going on with that do you believe dior died at home on the way to camp at the camp or somewhere else altogether you know if i said anything that would be conjecture uh, and I don't want to have any conjecture in this thing. I think something might have happened. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm thinking out loud here, folks, that maybe we just didn't catch the kid on, on the cameras and he got up to the mountain on that first night. If what Dior tells us is the truth, he put his arm in the tailpipe. I kind of believe that, uh, but you know, why wouldn't Jessica tell us that, you know, we were very emphatic with Jessica and we asked her the question, Jessica, you know, in fact, we held back that question, uh, and to see if she'd come forward with it. And she didn't remember whenever you interview with law enforcement, police, anybody like us always know, we know the answers to the questions before we ask them. Okay. And so she didn't come forward and tell us that. So, you know, blood pathogen on the inside wheel well, on the, on the, on the, on, on, on the tailpipe and on the back bumper. 
yeah, I, I, you know, the way I look at the case and the way I see it is that I believe some of what they told us is the truth and much of it, it's not. I, I think probably what they did was the child was, uh, was probably in the car. Uh, I think the child made it up to the mountain and I believe it was an accident. Um, the FBI, quite frankly, disagrees with me. Um, they're saying if they're not willing to say, Hey, look, it was an accident and take the charge of tampering with a corpse. Uh, what's the next option? So homicide with that, there is a question that states, um, they can't wrap their head around what the motive would be if it was intentional. Well, okay. So there's a lot of theories law enforcement and us have been running with. Um, and so let's just put the number one that we all agree on out of it. Okay. And Caroline, you're MSE. So you, you chirp in here anytime you want. The motivation would be if you go back and look at, I want to say Jack and Diane, <laughs> Vernal and Vernal and Jessica, if you look at both of them, Jessica had given up possessionary of her children, her other two children to the daddy who, by the way, I got to say, I met him. He's a great guy. He's, he, he's really done a great job with those children. Um, I, she didn't, she didn't want children. Um, if you look at Vernal, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I think Vernal is a sexual, I believe, I believe, Philip Klein believes Vernal is a sexual psych psychopath. I, I, I believe that. I think he's a narcissistic, socialistic, nar narcissistic psychopath. You probably disagree with me. <laughs> Every word in the book. I'm trying to come up with words here to describe him. Reason I say that is, is because he's out, his child's missing and he's not looking for his child. He has not lifted one damn left finger to go look for that child. And he's out there posting pictures of him and his penis. Out, and again, I told everybody, tell the kids to leave the room. Um, he's posting pictures of his penis. I think he likes attention. He likes the attention. He, he's just, he's an attention. He well, he's, attention. he's narcissistic. And so I, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't really necessarily want a child. Remember, he's a trucker. He's out on the road. He's doing all this stuff. He goes through the whole thing about how he works so hard out on the road. His boss clammed up pretty quick, which was interesting too. Um, and I, I just get the, I just get the strong feeling that neither one of them wanted the child. And when the child was gone, they both kind of went, Hmm. And again, do I believe that Jessica's running the show? Nope. Don't believe that for one minute. No, not at all. Vernal's running that show. Definitely. Um, okay. So were there toddler clothes, snacks, or soiled diapers at the camp? That's been one of the most popular questions. One of the most, um, <laughs> Okay, so let's start off with the with the, the diapers. Yes, yes, there were there was a thing they called the diaper tree. But was that Bob's diaper or Dior's diaper? That's the big question. We have not been able to answer that question because conveniently all of the evidence was not there when searchers got there. But the dog sure as hell hit all over the place. Now I will so, say that we've had we had we did have during our investigation a lot of um, 
searchers that were there the yep. same day, a lot of witnesses that were up there that called in regarding the nature of their behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, one stated that they were drinking upon arrival. Yep. Um, one stated that they never saw one piece of baby item Not at one. all. Not one. No snacks, no diaper None. bag. None. Um, not so, even a blanket. Not even a blanket. So although that contradicts what the what was said down at the oh, down at the uh, at the fuel station, where they said, "Well, I, I think I might have seen a blanket, but I didn't see a child for sure. Did not see a child. Did not see a child." So that kind of conflicts a little bit there, but you have to go with what you know. And, and that is, you know, when the searchers got up there, you would think it would be a pristine uh, environment place up there. Uh, Elio got up there pretty quick uh, and, and they were looking for, you know, they believe the parents. I mean, we've got a, we got a child that's missing that's walked away from camp. So that's what they were focused on. They weren't focused on a crime scene. You can't blame law enforcement for that. That's, you know, you go with what you know. Now, in today's modern society with the narcissistic, crazy-ass uh, millennials that are out there that, you know, they just are, uh, everything's always handled as a crime scene now. In fact, I think it's page one of, uh, wouldn't you say it's page one now of most of the uh, uh, yeah, uh, investigators' I, manuals? Uh, I do. You, you immediately secure the scene. You take Take the parents out of the scene. And, uh, and, and, uh, and do that. So anyway, uh, you want to take a break real quick we'll and then we'll come back. Break and, yep. uh, you can hear from our sponsor and we'll be back in a second. Southeast Texas DJ and rentals is a locally owned business right here in Southeast Texas. Known for custom rentals of benches, chairs, and all of your wedding decor needs. Southeast Texas DJ is here to serve you from supplying your music to all of the rentals they offer. You can get many services for the right price. Make sure to check out their website at www.southeasttexasdj.com. And for a limited time, use the code KIC to get their deal of the month. Thank you very much to those that sponsor this podcast. We know it's a very popular podcast and we're getting a lot of calls about how can you sponsor, uh, get with Caroline uh, in our offices and we'd, we'd love to have more sponsors. Anyway, go. Okay, so we um, spoke in episode two about, or part two, about an ice chest um, or possible ice chest missing with the size of where we dug that was the shape of a um, ice chest. Do we know if it was for sure an ice chest, what the size was and what the brand was? So the brand size, the brand is Igloo and the ice chest is definitely missing um as inventoried out from the beginning of the trip and to the end of the trip uh can it i know what the question i mean i i know how you asked the question but i'm going to answer the question as i think the writer wanted it um uh, which is uh could a body fit in there a two-year-old body of course and the answer is yes yeah a body could fit in we have not been able to find that ice chest we do believe there was a holding area where that ice chest was uh where where we believe the body was in the ice chest all right. Did Dior attend Mitchell's restaurant anytime during Wednesday, July 8th? I don't know. Uh, have you heard anything about Mitchell's restaurant? Is there a restaurant I'm unaware of? I'm unaware of that. So uh, to answer your question, no, we are not aware of anything regarding that. It's my understanding that Dior had dinner Wednesday night, July 8th over at Aunt Lynn's house. Mm-hmm. 
that believes or that leads us to our next question. What leads you to believe Aunt Lynn over Trina? Well, that's a great question. Lynn has never um so they live pretty damn close to each other. Aunt Lynn uh, lived upstairs. Right. And, that's what I mean by yeah. pretty damn close. They live pretty damn close, like right on top of each other. Um, I believe that uh I believe what Aunt Lynn says, which is and we interviewed her extensively. Uh, because she's she's in the zone of interview there of, of last seeing the child. I, I believe that um, Aunt Lynn was truthful to us, so we got to go with what she says. Now, let me codicil this. Do I think Aunt Lynn was involved? My direct answer to you is no. I have no evidence of that as of today. Do I believe that Aunt Lynn and Trina? We're involved in a cover-up. I'm going to say I'm 50% on Aunt Lynn being no, and I'm 100% sure that Trina was involved in some way, shape, or form. Well, then that brings me to my next question, which I think you and I have a disagreement on the subject of Trina. But do you believe Trina is helping with the cover-up of Dior's disappearance? Absolutely. I think she did. I think she had too much skin in the game. She had her daughter that probably would have gone away and done time. I think she had her dad that probably would have gone away and done time. And he was very sick. Um, so I, 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 there's more to Trina than what meets the, uh, meets the eye. She has now gone through a divorce. Um, she's been one that's chirping. I'm going to be up there. I mean, go back and look at the media of what Trina and Jessica have said. Jessica says, I'm going back to the mountain every year. Every chance I get, I'm going to go look around there. I'm going to find him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And Trina's like, I'm with my daughter. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. Then they've done nothing. Nothing. Do I need to spell that? N O T H I N G. Nothing. So, and so other than go up for a couple of media views. Okay. And they sit there and, 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 and this is the part of the narcissism that, that you, the listener out there needs to understand. They both went up there and made statements to the media, statements to us, statements to the government that they're going up every year and they're going to search until they find that body. They're going to do it. And I can only think of one search that I've seen that they went up there and did. And it was a news media fashion show. I think in a Marshburn search, they went up. So that would be two. Um, we talked to law enforcement after that happened. They called us and asked us a couple questions. And we said, well, what's going on? They say, well, this guy named Marshburn went up. He's a private detective out of, was it North Carolina or somewhere Yes. And, um, and we come in, Oh, okay. And they said, uh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And we're like, no, that didn't happen. Well, now they're chirping up what they've gone through six stories, seven. Now we're on story seven. And so that they're telling Marshburn, that's why, you know, again, I'm not Marshburn. I live by the rule that you don't criticize another investigator because you're only as good as your next case. That's, that's the way I look at life. I, I'm not the smartest egg in the basket. I'm that egg that listens to the smart and listens from the dull and tries to formulate an opinion that makes me the most dangerous egg in the basket. 
but do I believe that Trina's telling the truth? I think Trina's trying to protect, I guess, her daughter at this point because her father's dead. So I'm going to disagree so, with you on the Trina issue. All right, go roll. I welcome to the welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the conference room. <laughs> this is what happens every Monday morning. Go. I do not believe that Trina was initially involved in anything regarding Dior. I agree with that. I don't think that she originally covered up some story. I don't think that they ever confessed anything to her. I agree with that until her dad was close to dying. I agree with that. I think that at this point, Trina has to know something more. And I, and I wonder, I don't wonder, I know that she hasn't provided anything new to law enforcement. I agree with that. Based off of my conversation. So we're on the same so, plane. The only difference I think is, is I think Trina had suspicions from minute one, especially with the initial, remember her description of the initial conversation she had with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she was, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Something's not making sense here. And I think Trina probably beat her daughter down enough. And I think that that's why her daughter dropped out of the original lawsuit, which was because I think she was confronted with, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this man to control you? If it's the truth, just God bless, just tell the truth. And I think there was some type of partial confession there. If that makes any sense. I don't see how he could have taken anything to the grave. No, yeah. I think there was a confession there, and then she was, you know, again, it's like the rest of them. They get to the point where they they sit by these stories, and then they're confronted with their stories, and they change their stories, and then you're confronted with a new story, and they come up with a new story, and they come, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And when you just want to look at them and go, just shake them and say, just tell us the damn truth. Just, just... You know, this is what she told me. Okay, where can we go look? Boom, we got the body. Okay. Then it's up to the district attorney, and then it's up to the law enforcement to press their charge and try them. And who knows if they even get through a 12-person jury. Maybe maybe Vernal would be great with, uh, what's his name? Browning. Uh, Maybe Alan Browning. Maybe Alan Browning can come in and save the day for them both. I don't know. Um, But as long as you got Alan Browning out there going, Oh, they're not lying. They're not lying. And everybody in law enforcement and us are going, what? They're on story six. What do you, what do you mean? They're not lying. What are you talking about? And he just, it just makes him look like a fool. If I was Browning's handler, I'd say, Alan, shh, sit down, be quiet. I'd tell Marshburn, Hey, David, take a step back, be a little bit more objective in this case. Take a look at the evidence. You know, and we've already did. Maybe we? he has. Maybe, well, I don't know. We've offered to give him the entire case file. Now, I think Brownie did share. Browning did share uh, the discovery with oh, him. I'm sure he did. I, I, I'm almost sure of that. But again, I haven't talked to David. I mean, I'm David. I'm sure David's a fine man. I'm sure he's a very smart man. I'm sure he'll figure it out for himself. But you know, I sure would like to sit in a room with him and and and. And just see where he's going with it. Because, you know, uh, this, again, I've said it before. This is a case where I stare at the ceiling at night and think about it. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so according, well, I'll just read it. Did Trina fail her first polygraph test? And if so, did she ever take a second one as stated that she would? And if she did not, then why? I don't believe that I would use the word fail for her. She's the one where it came back inconclusive. Inconclusive. It came back inconclusive on her. She did not take a second. 
To our knowledge. As to our today. knowledge to this day. She may have some time in between the time we got out and today. I, I, I have not been privy to that, but her test was, that's where all the confusion came where, you know, everybody said, oh, Jessica had an inconclusive polygraph test. No, Jessica failed. Jessica failed on the 99 percentile. Don't even, I mean, anybody, look, any of those whack jobs like Alan or Lucric, uh, KO? huh? KO. KO. You want me to call her KO? Yeah, okay. KO. And any of those whack jobs that are out there that, that try to convince you, the public, you, the public, that anybody passed their polygraph being Jessica or Vernal, they failed so bad. Hell, they, they failed the control question, didn't they? The control question of, are you here to tell us the truth today? Did. Yeah. Yeah. You're How right. do you fail a control question? Oh, Jesus. Anyway, go. I see. I get worked up. <laughs> um, is there a reason you are talking about behind the scenes of this case and giving more details? Yes, there is. Because I want it solved. I want it, this thing solved. If the more we can make public now, the better off we'll be. The better off in the honor of that little two-year-old boy. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I am who I say I am and I do what I say I do. You know, I, I don't know, Caroline, you know, I think maybe we, and this is just me talking out loud and I wish MJ were here. She has some interjection. I kind of wish we were still in. I, I really do. Well, we're going to get to that at the end. Okay. We'll talk about that. Okay. So why was Dennis Kuntz's house not searched, but Trina's was? Okay. So Dennis lives in a town way far south, like what, three hours south of Idaho Falls, almost on the Montana yeah, border. Bear Lake. Bear Lake. He, he, he lit well south of Bear Lake. It's, it's, it's a little town, but it's Monticello, the, I think it's called Monticello. Very far. Mon, yeah. Montclair. Montclair. That's it. Way far south of where that is. Okay. So if you do the timeline of the people that we've interviewed, Everything they told us up to a certain point, we've been able to prove where the truck was parked, where, what time they went to dinner, what time she got off work, what time, everything's clarified until that Wednesday. So why didn't Dennis's house get searched? There was no reason to search Dennis's house. There, they didn't, there was no way they left and went three hours south and three hours back north and then got out to the campgrounds at the time they got at the campgrounds. It just didn't fit the timeline. Assuming he was at the campground and that's where assuming, he died. But assuming that, we have to assume that because it, there's just no way to fit it in the Wednesday timeline. There's no way, no way. It just doesn't work. And I think everybody agrees. Don't you think everybody agrees on that? Every, we've played that idea with law enforcement. Yeah, I think um, so. Right before we stated that we were no longer going to be on the case, we actually had planned to take our search team to Montpierre. Um, Montpierre, that's it. And Montpelier. to his house mm -hmm. and, and search it. Um, that was on our agenda. And then everything kind of happened. And our lawyer said, you know, y'all need to step out of the case. And, yep. and so we made the decision. So that is why we never searched it. Yep. Um, but with that comes the next question. And I can answer this one because I personally spoke to the person here. Do it to it. Um, was the gas station across from the Clo Clover Creek Motel and Montpierre's cameras ever checked to see if her or Jessica's um, slip up was real or not? Yes. 
I can tell I not the cameras. The cameras were not checked. I think the time had already expired on that. However, I spoke to the hotel owner as well as the hotel manager, and they were able to confirm for me that no one um, fitting Jessica's description, her name, nothing stayed there. As well, there was no child that stayed there. So to answer the camera question, because that's always been a big one, the camera question is the cameras were operable, but they were on a rotating digital uh erase system meaning that they kept for tw- I, I think it was 20 you want to say 36 somewhere between it was set to erase over within 24 to 36 hours yeah it's like a, yeah according to the owners and so by the time they got back down the hill and were started you know that was what five days later uh the camera footage had been overdone boy that would have been great to have that camera footage wouldn't it Yep, oh, that sure that's one of those things in the case you look back on and go, that would have solved everything right then and there. Um, another question was uh, Lower T- Lower Timber Creek. Um, the, man, y'all even have the address. Address 422-422A, Ledor, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Ever searched? If so, how far out? Certain poly questions could be passed as the two campgrounds have the same name and are located with a Ledor uh, address. Answer is no. We had no evidence to go over there or no probable cause to go over there and search uh, the the lower campground. Now, are they talking about the no, wait? We, we hold did on. search the lower campground, I thought. Well, no, 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 no. She's talking about down the street. See, she's talking about down the street, that lower. uh, So there's on the mountain, you come down the mountain and there's a lower campground off to the left over there by where the, uh, uh, the trash barrels are and the, uh, the, the trash area is. And the, uh, I guess what do you call it? The ranger area. There's another little campground back up on a hill. The answer is no, we didn't search that. Now, if the confusion of the question is, did we search the upper campground uh where um in timber creek or do we search the lower we search them both the one up on the mountain yeah yeah yeah. okay Okay. so remember as you look if you're in the lower campground if you look down towards the reservoir there's a thing called the upper campground that was thoroughly searched with dogs with humans with Anything that had a nose, we got in there and we looked, we turned over rocks, we turned over, we we actually um, did some drone operations looking for um, uh, for um, uh, disturbed ground. That was very important to do. Uh, and we did that. So uh, if there was a confusion there on that question, I hope we answered it. Now, the, there's another question um, that I read and now I can't seem to find it, but the question was, did our dogs hit on any other areas and other than the diaper, the cooler area and where the truck was. And the answer is yes. Yes. So I read before to prepare for this, I read, uh, who got it for me? You or Taylor, somebody brought it into my office about what David Marshburn had said his dogs hit on. And the location of where, and I think he was very ambiguous and very, vague on where his dogs hit. Uh, and again, I don't know how his dogs are trained. Our dogs are hit on, uh, on human scent remain. Uh, you know, we have a new dog, by the way, named Taz and, uh, you know, I think Taz may be taking a trip out to Idaho, but anyway, the long story short is, so we worked, um, so we kind of did a backwards work. We got up to the reservoir, up to the upper campground, cleared it, came back down, Trace brought, 
her fabulous dogs. By the way, I want to tout Trey Sargent. God dang it, is she one of the best in the United States? And we came down to the lower campground where they had set up camp and they made that little circle around the campfire. So the dog came in and the first thing the dog hit on was the diaper tree. Okay. And so I want to remind everybody before I go through this, that the dogs that we use are trained on human scent, human remain scent, meaning that when you cut yourself or you, let's just say you die. Okay. When you die, a hormone slash body fluid is released from your body. You don't really realize it is because a lot of it is vapor, but it, it but it detaches onto trees. It attaches onto uh, the ground and it, you can't wash it away. It doesn't go away. I mean, it's there, right? That's how trace is able to go up to like uh, the Confederate war sites and find these bodies up there from back in the Confederacy. That's they, they released this human hormone. So, the first thing the dog did was came down the little, I guess they call it the crack, the creek, crack, whatever you want creek. to call it, creek. And they come down the creek and there, there was no hits whatsoever. But then the dog took an immediate right and went up to the campground and went right over to what they call the diaper tree. The dog tried to crawl up the tree. Remember? Yeah. The dog tried to crawl up the tree and get up the tree. I've never seen a dog do that before, especially a human scent dog and sat down immediately alerting we say sat down alerting the dog alerted on the tree and around the tree and everywhere around the tree so we had to actually get the dog out of that area and go let it kind of rest a little bit and we took it over to another trailer that was over there with some people left their trailer up there <clears throat> and uh we searched that whole field then at that point you want to take it from here where we went to the uh the grates on the ground, the cattle guards on the ground. We went over the cattle guards. We went in outside of the, uh, of the immediate campground where they say they, uh, were camping. Yes. Take it from there. And that's where, um, chance went and just to the left alerted back down towards the river, mm -hmm. the little Creek. So the Creek runs that way. The dog took immediate left and ran like with ears up, nose in the air, I mean, I, I, I mean, I kind of looked at Trace and said, what the hell? And she goes, I don't know. He smells something and went down the hill, went down. And then the dog stopped at the bottom of this hill and alerted. Yeah. So we went into that area and we did, and the sheriff was with us. Correct. And we did a hands-on, one-on-one scan of the area. We scanned that area. I mean, we, we kicked every stone. We kicked everything else. Consequently, according to what Marshburn has said in the transcripts that have been given to me was that is the same area to which he says he found a bone or something. I think it was a bone. Right. He thought it was human. It turned out not to be human. Uh, but he had his dog in there. That's the same area our dog hit in. So we've got a confirmation that all three dogs now have hit in that area. Then... You go up the hill. So she gave the command to release and he went immediately back into ears up, nose in the air, turned around, got over to the 
hill ran straight up the hill like we had to walk around the hill he ran straight up the hill and we found him across this road that leads into the, the lower campground and there was this area with disturbed ground and he sat down and he would not release from that area that was the one that's in the we shape of a cooler yes we dug and then okay and yes. that's also and if you listen to part two i was talking about the prickly bushes at sagebrush so there's sagebrush everywhere but in this particular place there's, there's a nothing. perfect square in the middle of a ton of sage yep and it, and it was disturbed ground too. And we all kind of looked at each other like, holy crap. And I think we've released that picture. If you, if we haven't released it before you release this, would you make sure that you release yeah, that I'll picture? Post that, uh, picture? We'll so post a picture knows. of us and the sheriff. And we had uh, help out there with a lot of sheriff's deputies and we did a dig. We did not find anything, but other than disturbed and loose ground. So I think that that's going to be important for this case to understand. This kind of coincides with what, Vernal had told us. Now, Vernal told us two stories. Vernal told us that he couldn't get a cell signal, so he got in his truck and he went down just over the cattle guard, and boom. Then the second story was, got in his truck, went over the cattle guard, and went a mile and a half down before he could get a, a cell signal. So, of course, us being investigators and are doing our jobs, we emulated that, right? And we drove all the way down to where he said a mile and a half down the hill, down the mountain, towards the bottom of the of the mountain where he says he was. And we did a cell phone check. We have these monitors that tell us cell phone signals, and et cetera. And we use our cell phones. And there was nothing. There's no cell phone signals down there. There is, however, there is, however, a small cell phone ping that we were able to establish right there next to the loose ground. Now, the conjecture question that sits around here in our offices is, did we find the burial place? There's a possibility. And that they came back at a later date and dug it up and moved the cooler to a secondary location. My answer is, listen very closely to what my answer is, that's a possibility. Okay. A dog does not alert to something like that in that manner or that shape or that form and not want to release if there hadn't been something there. Okay. Does that make sense? It totally does. Okay. Next question. Um, what is, well, this is actually a good one. Had there been a child, uh, has there been a child approximately two years old with not enough DNA found along Highway 28 between Mud Lake and Ledore around the year 2017 or 2018? Coroner's friends had stated such, and there was police activity around that time in that area. I will answer that as soon as I, I am aware of this question, I'm aware of the situation. As soon as I found out, I immediately contacted law enforcement. Um, the detective that I speak with them uh, often or had at that point. And um, he was not aware of such, but he told me he was going to make phone calls to find out what was going on. I never got a follow up on that. Um, from If I remember correctly, they were ancient bones um, mm -hmm. found also in that vicinity. So I don't know if that was rumor. So I did. 
Uh, I went up and did the Discovery Channel. What was that show? Uh, ID. Discovery ID while I was up in Idaho Falls. And remember, folks, and I apologize greatly. I know some of you say all the time, Nate Eaton is one of the guys, hey, when you're ever up here, call us and let us know. I kind of snuck into town. (laughs) I flew in and uh, I got some stairs on the airplane. So I know people knew who I was and I was like, oh, great. It's going to get out. But uh, I kind of snuck into town. I've snuck into town probably what, four or five times now, Mm -hmm. four or five times now just to do some follow-up work and to do some uh, interviews with national media. Um, So I asked the question, of LEO. And, um, the answer was, it was a, um, ancient body that was found long time ago and has nothing to do, nothing to do with the Dior Coons case. Okay. So there you go. There's your answer. Next question. Was Jessica, was Jessica and Vernal offered immunity? So, I don't know. Vernal was not. Uh, Vernal was not offered immunity because quite frankly, Vernal is a target of a homicide investigation at this point, in my opinion. Um, Jessica was offered immunity from prosecution. Um, the way it was described to us, oh, hell, let's just say it. We we watched the video. Um, she We believe she was very close to confessing. Uh, but uh, Vernal kind of and her mother jumped in and now Trina's come out in public and said, listen, if I thought my daughter was guilty, I'd, you know, and it, I want to believe that. I mean, I want to believe that, but I didn't see her. Um, that didn't happen in front of us. It was always like she was running interference and then she quit talking to us. And then of course that interview you did with Bob, with, uh, MJ, you and MJ went to do that interview with Bob and then she yeah. flipped out once she found out that Bob was talking and she cut off all contact. And then she point. said that at that point, I don't want to ever talk to y'all again. I don't want to ever see y'all again. You know, that's a lady that's really looking for her grandchild. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? This, this, this woman is, you know, I get fired up about this, this lady. Oh, I'm looking for my grandson. I'm going to find him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And the people that have brought the case the furthest, along with law enforcement, you can't take all the credit. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm not talking to y'all. Y'all shouldn't have done that. Y'all, y'all shouldn't have talked to him without somebody in the room. Why does somebody need to be in the room? Was somebody in the room with you? No. Enough. Shut up, lady. Let us do our jobs. You knew. You knew, Trina Clegg. You knew how we operated because we brought you all in a room when we first arrived with about 16 other family members, and I gave the speech. You, There are going to be days you love me. There's going to be days you hate me. But I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to find little Dior. And I could see the look in Jessica's face when I said it. She looked straight down to the floor. And I knew right then. I said, oh, here we go. Yep. I knew it. She turned bright red. She, you know, shaking, shaking. shaking I knew it. Her knuckles. I just knew it. And then Dior trying to butt in all the time when I, or, uh, Dior, Vernal trying to butt in all the time. I, I just, I knew it. And so anyway, uh, what do we want to do? Do we want to take a quick break and then come back with other questions? Do we have time for one more? Um, I guess let's do a few more questions. All right. Um, yeah, let's just do another segment of questions. Okay. 
All right. So the next question, and this actually is a good one. Does the creek feed into a bigger body of water? Is it possible he was missing longer, drowned, and was swept away? The answer is very simple. No, it's the opposite. You have a reservoir up on top that collects the snow runoff and it goes down this stream and it goes, the stream goes all the way down to the bottom and it goes into a stream that's right next to the main road that comes in and it goes down into the river. Which to follow up on that other question about did our dog hit or did chance hit on any other areas? Yes. At the bottom of the, the mountain, the hill at the very bottom, um, we, crossed over and he did alert to a specific area that we he did um dug yep a bunch of branches yep. a lot of different things so yes and that was one of the last areas up yep. there that he did yep um hit on very dangerous area we had to crawl remember we had to crawl down the side of a kind of a hill and yeah it was a very dangerous area but he was sitting down there and he alerted was there any search within five miles from where they lived, including all four adults' homes? Uh, in the beginning, I believe there was an undercover search done by LEO, but not by us. Somebody has sent in a question with a screenshot of um, one of the grandparents. Um, I believe it is Jessica's grandmother mm -hmm. um, that said, why has nothing been done to make them tell where he is? They know. What do you think about that? <laughs> and this was recently. I wish I worked. I wish I worked for an acronym uh, governmental agency, and and they just happened to get pulled over and and ended up in a barn out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there was a uh, Doctor Fong comes in with his needles uh, and injects some stuff to make you talk. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm being facetious, of course. I, I don't. You know what? I, I. We, you know, there's laws we have to follow, and there's laws Leo has to follow, and we're all following on our side of the fence. We're all following the law, but do I believe they need to be interrogated again? Yeah, but they're just going to lie again. I mean, that's all they're going to do. They're just a bunch of liars. Anyway, go ahead. Has the cooler Isaac claimed was missing ever found? I think we've already addressed that. Answers no. Um, is the black flatbed with a blue cooler strapped to the back of it seen? on Gilmore Highway camps on July 10th, relevant to Vernal's black flatbed for work. Um, uh, we are aware of that video footage um, that was pulled. We do from have the that camera. video footage. We do have that. That is one of the reasons why Gilmore was searched um, extensively by us. Can we verify that it was his work truck? No, we cannot verify it. Is we it, couldn't read the license plate. Is it interesting that it somewhat by word of mouth matches Vernal's work truck plus a cooler that is mysteriously missing. Yes. But I think that that's just, um, theory at this point. So. Theory. Yeah. Was Dennis Kuntz ever polygraphed or questioned on his possible knowledge of what might have happened to Dior? No. And I'll say this in the, in the, in, in, in Dennis Kuntz honor, uh, he's dead. I don't like to talk about dead people. But uh, in, in did he take a secret to his grave, I think, is the question. The answer is no. I think he was, uh, what do you want to say? I think he was horn-snoggled by his son and an attorney by he the name of Alan, of Alan Browning. Yeah, he's, oh, hello. There you go. Potty mouth. Since no one saw him, is it possible he died at home and they used the cooler to take him to the Timber Creek? It's definitely a theory that could have happened, um, but I think, there's no proof of that. It was about a, it's a 20% working theory. We do everything by the way, to our 
folks real quickly. We do everything in percentages, 100%. We believe it. We have the backup for it. We know all the way down to 0%. It's a 20% working theory. Why was the area around Mitchell's restaurant search? Do you believe he was there? Now that I read that question, that question, Mitchell's restaurant is in reference to the rest, restaurant in Ledor where we spoke to the owners. Um, yes, we did search that area behind the restaurant, that field with that, uh, the church, the little church that had the cross. Yeah, we got, we are supposed to be an undercover operation. We got caught by the media. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the media and, just showed up out of nowhere and they had cameras out and then I guess it spread like wildfire very quickly. And we had a bunch of media out there. And, so to answer your question, the reason that it was searched is because Tracy always goes by the fact that you should, um, always check and clear areas that are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't even think of the name. She what says. you want to do is you want to know, it's just as important to know where a body is not as it is where, and, uh, we cleared the area and that's, we, we had a tip at the time that there was a possibility that the body may have been brought down from the mountain and stored in one of those little buildings, outbuildings back there. Uh, did we open every single outbuilding all the way from the school to the church, all the way back through the fields, all the way from the north side to the south side? We did. Um, some homes were searched. Um, uh, you know, we we did a lot of searching out there in that lower area, and we tried to do as quiet as we possibly could, but we got you know we got caught. But um, the answer is uh, that we wanted to clear that area to clear off that tip to see if the tip had any credibility to it. Were there any of his uh, footprints anywhere at Timber Creek? No. Was little Dior at daycare that week? If so, can the daycare provider tell us when he was last seen? He never went to daycare. It was the older two that were at daycare. Yep. The older two were at daycare. Dior did not go. Uh, little baby Dior did not go to daycare. Um. Oh, let's see. Do you believe AJ Vernal's BFF was a victim of foul play due to knowledge of Dior's disappearance? And if you were to take on Dior's case, would you be willing to look into that? The answer is yes, we'd look at anything. Uh, the second part of that answer would be probably ask that again. <laughs> um, would you, uh, well, would we, no, would we willing to look at AJ? It. Yes. But do, do we think that his death had anything to do with Dior? No. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Total sense. What happened with the other people that were camping nearby? Why haven't we heard much about them? To my knowledge, there was only one set of people camping nearby and they did give a statement. They did give a statement. Um, the question also was, is why did they hit out there? Was there remains out there? Uh, yeah, there was somebody that put an urn of uh, ashes out there. Uh, did it have anything to do with you or no? It did not. We were able to clear that. Vernal stated they pulled off in Osgood to fix the camper from swaying. What mile marker or off ramp did they pull off on? Okay, so they did it twice. The first time they did was north of the city. Uh, as you're getting ready to take a left out towards the mountain range uh, off the interstate, uh, it's right there where the uh, shell is kept, where the road material is kept. They were able to fix that, move things around. They got back on the road. I think they, they traded cars that they were pulling things with. Uh, so that got done there on the interstate. And then when they got off the interstate and they took a left, 
and they headed up towards the mountain range. There was one other time that they stopped again. I believe wasn't that near the Texaco station or what? It was a gas yeah. station. I, I think it was Sitco, a Texaco. Gas Texaco. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a Texaco. Texaco, yeah, right there. Okay, were there any photos from point A to point B of Dior or any other timestamp photos on the trip? Nope. There were no photos of Dior. However, she was sending text messages to yep. her mother the entire way from yep. point A yep. to point B to point C of the scenery. Now, yeah, let me set that up real quick. Jessica was well known to taking pictures. That's what she likes to do is take pictures. She take pictures of everything. You would think that on the way to family vacation, she'd take pictures of the little boy. Ooh, here's the mountain range. Take a picture, a little selfie. Take something with the, with, with the child. She didn't do that. She didn't do that. Do we have the date time stamp of pictures that she took and sent to her mother? Yes, we do. Um, Surprise. Oh, goodness. We actually had her phone. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh, let's talk about that for a second because that was one of the questions. <laughs> Were we able to... Um, or were any, not just us, but um, law enforcement included, were all four of their phones taken, downloaded for anything that had been deleted or any current conversations on the phones? A. B. Was it true that Isaac factory reset his phone while he was there? Yes to that. And three. Wait, I forgot my third there. Let's start. With so this. Isaac <laughs> did factory reset his phone out there. I think it was not because of Dior. I think Isaac probably had some sex stuff on his phone and he didn't want the cops to know. Uh, door number two is um, the phones that were the phones from the family. Were they taken up? Uh, I don't know. I did not see that in the case file, but eventually they were at some point. Uh, and, um, again, they didn't have anything on their phones other than what we found when we got Jessica's phone after we executed a, um, well, we didn't execute a warrant, but it should have been a warrant. Uh, we got into Jessica's bedroom and, uh, we were able to put the dog down in Jessica's bedroom. And then we were able to go through personal information of hers, uh, and her family allowed us to do that. Was anyone ever tested for drugs after his disappearance? No. Has anywhere east of Idaho Falls been searched? Yes. I think we need to keep that confidential. But yes, the answer is yes. Is Penner covering for the parents? No. Let me tell you something about Steve Penner. Steve Sheriff Penner is maybe one of the best law enforcement agents I've ever worked with. And you know who he reminds me of? What's that show I like so much? Uh, Yellowstone. Yes. God, he reminds me of that sheriff in Yellowstone where, man, he's got it going on and he knows what our, not necessarily he's a sheriff. What's his, he's a, he's, he's the right hand. He's the ranch man. Let me tell you something. If Penner, if Penner knew what was going on, Penner solved this case in a heartbeat. And I think Penner, Penner's come close a couple of times, just like us, but they do the same thing to Penner. They lie to us. And then when they're confronted with their lies, they come up with other freaking excuses. Anyway, go ahead. Can you tell I'm frustrated? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What's the next? Why one? was Jessica emptying out contents of her wet pockets into the truck? Was she deep in the water at some point, like on her hands and knees and looking causes pockets sit because, oh, because pockets sit pretty high up. No. So again, here's another lie. 
Where was Dior when you called 911? Oh, he was down the hill. He was down the hill. He was way far down the hill. He was trying to get a thing. Okay, that's what she tells us. But then when you listen to the 911 call, you can hear Dior's voice in the background. Speaking of that 911 phone call. Why haven't we released Vernal's 911 call? That's been a big question. Why haven't we released it? Because it'd be used for prosecutorial purposes. Move on. Um, let's see. Did Isaac really factory reset his phone three times or at all during the time on the mountain? We already yes. answered that one time, and we think because he had some pornography on there that he was concerned with. What day and approximate time do you believe Dior had died? Uh, if I had to put a date of death on Dior Coons, it was two days prior to the call to 911. Do you believe that the texting between Trina and Jessica on July 9th and 10th were suspicious? It seemed as if they were talking in code with period topics, etc. Now, here we go again with uh, what goes on in this room right here where I'm sitting when we have the conference going on with all the investigators that are on the case or were on the case at the time. Um, I, 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 if you're not going to tell the truth, that means you're a liar. If you're a liar, that means you know something because you're scared that you don't want to get in trouble or you don't want somebody else to get in trouble. So, so what the hell are they hiding? Exactly. Why do you, as in Klein Investigations, believe he died at a camp when Frank Vilt believes he was adopted out illegally and David Marshburn focuses on Isaac and Bob? Oh, that's a great question. What stands out the most for you to come to that conclusion? Well, because we are the guys that were on the ground and we were the guys that uh, that uh, got the confessions, uh, so-called confessions of evidence out of the uh, out of the Jessica and uh, Invernal. We believe that fully believe that um, they lie for a reason um, and that's just kind of the easy answer to it. I mean, there's, there's no real heavy math to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It okay. does make sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, did they explain or ha did they explain or have anything to say about the sex adventure while everyone searched for their baby? No, they had no, they didn't say anything. <laughs> so there's actually a phone conversation between <laughs> me and Dior, or me and Bernal. And I, it's a scary thing. I literally when you to it. confront him with this. And I think his words to me, I can't remember the exact words, but they were around the nature of, so what? So what? It's kind of like Bob saying, what's done is done. <laughs> I mean, who you're in an interrogation booth with the FBI and some of the most decorated Idaho law enforcement agencies, right? And you've been in there for 10 hours. Folks, 10 hours. And what's the first thing you do? Go to a sex store and buy clone my winky. Give me a freaking break. And everybody looks at me and says, well, why do you call him a narcissist? Why do you call him a sexual predator? Gee, I don't know. You tell me. Hell, ask Crystal Allen. She seems to be in the same boat he is. Anyway, move on. Um, uh, was Jeremy Clegg ever questioned? Yes. He was. He actually gave us an interview. He did. And he did a good job and he was very forthright. And I think he was worried that the stories weren't matching up. To watch Jeremy's uh, interview was uh, was an art form. 
I think he answered every question legitimately, honestly. And I think he was nervous because he could kind of tend to see where we were going with the questions. And I think he, wouldn't you say he got a little nervous? Yeah, I do. Um, Okay. This next question really just, it uh, lights me on fire. Really? (laughs) Four people were there. How did they not get charged with at least endangered endangerment of a minor or just anything at all? Really? Okay. So here's how it works. And it doesn't work like it works on TV, folks. Okay? That's all fantasy world. Reality world, it works this way. You have probable cause that a crime has been committed. You investigate that probable cause. Once you find out that that probable cause is true and you have the evidence to back it up, you sit down and write a probable cause affidavit. Probable cause affidavit turns into an arrest warrant. You go get an arrest warrant from a judge. Here's my probable cause affidavit, Your Honor. I believe there's a, that a search warrant needs to be issued one and two. I believe we need to take these people in custody for the crime of, you know, 3901 in the state of Texas, which is homicide, whatever the case is. They never got to that point. Now, was there probable cause affidavits filled out? Yes. Were they acted upon by a judge or by the district attorney? No. Now, one of the things in a high profile case where you have national media flying in on helicopters and everything else is you have to have your ducks in a row because a good defense lawyer will come in and his job is to tear apart that probable cause affidavit. I urge all of you to understand that law enforcement did their job. They just couldn't get over the threshold that was comfortable for the district attorney. The district attorney was never comfortable with the, with the percentage of the information that was given to them. Again, remember investigators all work on percentages. I believe, I believe that given probably another month or so of involvement with us and everybody working together as a big, huge team, we might've gotten there. Yeah. I think what the key to this case is, I think is Jessica Mitchell or at least somebody, somebody taking a run at Trina again. I mean, Trina, if you're listening to this, listen to me closely, friend. That was your grandbaby. That was your grandbaby. I understand your daughter's fault. We're all faulted. Not one of us in this world's not faulted. Trina, if it's possible, do the right thing. That's my advice to you, Trina. And I hope you're listening to this. Do the right thing. Marching around a park, carrying banners is not the right thing. Telling the world that you're going to be up there every summer and you're going to search every square feet of that campground, you're going to do that. You know that child's not there. You know what your daughter said to you. Do the right thing. Do it. Do it. You can live life. You can feel better. The pain and the anguish that your family's going through You don't have to do that anymore. And then once you tell the truth, which I believe you haven't said, get on your knees, close your eyes, and pray for your father's soul 
quite frankly, pay for, pray for your soul and all of our souls. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And if you want me to come up and hold your hand, and we'll go down together to Pocatello, and we'll sit down with the FBI, and you can just tell your story. That's what needs to happen here. And Jessica Mitchell, you listen to me. He's gone. Vernal will never hurt you again, and we will ensure that Vernal never hurts you again. We believe you're a victim. Stand up. You birthed that baby. You held that baby. And to Jessica's current husband, listen to me, bub. Sit down. Work it out. Be a husband. Be a man. Talk to your wife. And get her to do the right thing. She is the key to this entire investigation. Good? Yeah, I think that's about all we have time for today. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. That was part four, and that'll end the Dior Coons case. Uh, You know, we appreciate you all your comments and questions. We appreciate your phone calls. And for those of you out there, if you have a tip, send it to us. We'll get it to the right people. And for the questions that we didn't, um, that we weren't able to answer today, we will post those onto our Instagram page. So make Did sure. we answer the big question that we left last podcast off? No, we're going to end that, but we're going to <laughs> address the rest of the questions we did not get to on our Instagram page at Clown Investigations and Consulting. Um, so make sure you tune in for all of those. Um, we are in negotiations and getting back into the case. I will say that. And with that, one last question that um, our listener sent Go. regarding that. Mm-hmm. Um do you need help with funding in order to retake the in in order to retake the case? And um, if so, what can we as a community do to help you? Um. Yes, is that question? We would require funding. Um, we've we've already spent of our money close to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's not even including attorneys' fees. Um, but yes, I, I don't know. That would be up to the general public. If you guys in the public want us back, we'll come back, but we have to have our expenses, our airfare, you know, those sort of things paid. We, 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 I can't, I can't ask my employees to work for free. I can't ask that anymore, especially with what we had to go through. Uh, it's not fair. You wouldn't work for free. We're not going to work for free. Um, at this point, um, Um, so the answer is yes. I would say follow the same mechanism that you've put in place for the last time, which is, you know, do public fundraisers, uh, that sort of thing, uh, raise X amount of money, put it into a fund and, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Am I willing to, I guess your question to me is, am I, am I willing to 
front some more of my own personal money for this case? Probably so. I mean, it's just, there's sometimes you just got to do the right thing. And that would probably be the right thing. I, 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 I can't, I, I woke up this morning staring at the ceiling thinking about this case. I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, this, this case has haunted me. It's like an albatross on my back and I want to, I want to fix it. I want to, I want to, I want to make it right. We got to make it right. All right. Well, with that, we will see you next time. Make sure that you are um, following us on Klein Investigations and Consulting on Instagram, the Klein Files on Facebook, and you can find us on any podcast platform. Uh, Make sure to subscribe so that you get the release of our episode as soon as it um, hits the platform. And we'll have another case uh, upcoming here in the next uh next week and i i know which one's coming but i'm i'm going to kind of tease it a little bit kind of tease it a little bit i don't even know which one's coming i know what's coming next we're going out east i mean going out west out to sacramento california and uh, we're going to talk about that uh, the ember graham case uh, on the next podcast so anyway you guys stay safe and uh, if you got a tip call it in have a great one we'll see you then